0: From the Mercy One Studio. Man Up, brought to you by Construction Professionals, a program dedicated to inspiring and helping men live lives of heroic virtue. Join Joe Stopulis every Monday at 9 a.m. and 9 p.m. on Iowa Catholic Radio. And now it's time to Man Up.
1: Welcome, ladies and gentlemen, to Man Up on Iowa Catholic Radio. We are broadcasting from the Mercy One Studio, heard on eleven fifty AM, eighty eight point five FM, and ninety four point five FM around the globe, streaming online at iowacatholicradio.com dot on the Iowa Catholic Radio app. Please subscribe to our podcast on iTunes, like us on Facebook, follow us on Twitter. I am Joe Stoppules, and today I am joined by Max Carson and Kelly Wolf, two former guests of the show, but both people who are uh, fans of the book. He leadeth me by Walter Schizek, which I have mentioned multiple times now in the last few weeks. Uh, we'll have them on the other side of the break to discuss the book and everything that we can learn from it. Let's start in prayer in the name of the Father, and the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Amen. St. Michael, the archangel, defend us in battle. Be our protection against the wickedness and the snares of the devil. May God rebuke him, we humbly pray, and do thou, O Prince of the Heavenly Host, by the power of God, cast into hell Satan, and all the evil spirits who prowl about the world, seeking the ruin of souls. Amen. Father, and Son, and the Holy Spirit. Amen. So if you listen to the interview I did with Max a few weeks ago, uh, you, you heard me on the during the middle of the interview say, I need to do a show on He Leadeth Me. I was so excited about this book uh, that we're going to take an entire episode to do that, and that will happen today. If you were at the men's conference, you heard me reference uh, Matthew 7, uh, verse 21, which is basically Jesus saying, uh, amen, amen, to say to you, uh, many people will come up to me and say, Lord, Lord. Uh, But not all those who say to me, Lord, Lord, will enter the kingdom of heaven, only those who do the will of my Father. Today's gospel uh, is from Matthew 25, verses 31 to 46. Another one of those very harsh readings and sermons from Jesus, uh, where the king will say to those on his right, Come to me, you who blessed by my Father, inherit the kingdom prepared for you from the foundation of the world. For I was hungry, and you gave me food. I was thirsty, and you gave me drink. A stranger, and you welcomed me naked, and you clothed me. Ill and you cared for me in prison, and you visited me, and the righteous will answer him and say, "Lord, when do we see you hungry and feed you or thirsty and give you drink? When did we see you a stranger and welcome you or uh, naked and clothe you? When do we see you ill or in prison and visit you And the king will say to them, Amen, I say to you, whatever you did for one of these least brothers of mine, you did for me and to me this is probably the, the one that hits me hardest quite frankly. then he will say to those on his left, Depart from me, you accursed." Into the eternal fire prepared for the devil and his angels. For I was hungry, and you gave me no food. I was thirsty, and you gave me no drink. A stranger, and you gave me no welcome. Naked, and you gave me no clothing. Ill, and in prison, and you did not care for me. Then they will say, Lord, when do we see you hungry, or thirsty, or naked, or stranger, or ill, or in prison, and not minister to you in those needs? And you'll say to them, Amen, I say to you, whatever you did not do for one of these least ones, you did not do for me. And these will go off to eternal punishment, but righteous to eternal life. During Lent, as we enter into prayer, fasting, and almsgiving, I think it's really important, uh, especially with this gospel today, uh, to remember that. Uh, What are we doing for those around us, and what are we not doing? I think when we go through our examination of conscience at night, and we do it, obviously, at the beginning of every Mass, what I've done and what I have failed to do. What have I not done? What op- what opportunities have I missed to serve those around me? I think this Lenten time is a great reflection on those. Uh, also, with the upcoming interview in the next segment uh, with Walter Szczesek, I think with Lent, this is a great time to reflect on God's will in your life uh, and, and embracing, embracing the hard the hard callings that each of us have. So we're going to head to a short break. When we return, I will have Kelly Wolf and Max Carson in to join me in studio to discuss He Leadeth Me. Stick around. We'll be right back. Thank you, construction professionals, for underwriting Man Up. Construction professionals have been long supporters of Iowa Catholic Radio, and we've seen their work firsthand. It's very impressive.
0: They do remodeling or new construction that is innovative, functional, and designing what you want. cpcustomhomes.com. Thank you to Confluence Brewing Company for underwriting Christ is the Answer with Father Ricardo, heard Monday through Friday at 11 a.m. Confluence Brewing Company is a local brewery in Des Moines featuring seasonal and limited release beers. They have cans and growlers to go, apparel and other gifts for family and friends. Live music is featured in the tap room. Confluence Brewing Company is located off the bike trail south of Grays Lake. Thank you to Confluence Brewing Company for your support of Iowa Catholic Radio on the web at ConfluenceBrewing.com. That's ConfluenceBrewing.com. Support for Iowa Catholic Radio and John Leonetti in the Morning is provided by Five Sons Naturescapes. Five Sons Naturescapes is a Catholic veteran-owned family company providing premium outdoor landscapes. Extend your living space outdoors with patios, pergolas, fencing, and retaining walls. Outdoor lighting is another way to enjoy your landscaping day and night. Five Sons Naturescapes will spend the time to understand your needs and create your perfect outdoor space. Learn more about Five Sons Naturescapes at fivesonsnaturescapes.com. Thank you to Five Sons Naturescapes for their support of Iowa Catholic Radio.
2: You.
1: Right Welcome back to Man Up on Iowa Catholic Radio. As I mentioned, in the first segment. Excited to have two of my good friends in studio, Kelly Wolf, Max Carson, both now reoccurring guests on the Man Up Show. Welcome, guys! Excited. Thank you
3: for having us. Yeah, it's yeah, excited to be here.
1: To be here. So, uh, Mr. Wolf in my men's group, uh, good. uh, I talk about ironing sharpened iron. Uh, Mr. Wolf sharpens my iron quite frequently, uh, pushes me to be a better man. And one of the things he did was he told me, you must read the book. He leadeth me. So last year you told me I had to read the Gulag archipelago, which I did. And then you said, the next thing I had to do was read. He leadeth me. I don't know how many times I either called or texted you during the reading of this book. Being like, uh, everyone needs to read this book. (laughs)
2: Yeah, it's a, it's a great book, um, and, and I think sort of the the progression of reading the Gulag first and yeah. then Walter Schizik was kind of the right progression because the Gulag Archipelago, while as depressing of a book it is, is sort of the the width of the Gulag experience. There's a lot of you know different things that Schultz talks about where Walter Schizik kind of goes deep into his own experience mm-hmm. and doesn't really talk about anybody else's.
1: Well, and um, Schulten does it's not a religious work. It's more of a philosophical slash historical work, whereas He Leadeth Me is, a, is both historical and very spiritual and religious. If you'd like to learn more about the Gulag Archipelago, back to the archives of the show. I did an interview with a, a philosopher, I believe, at Gonzaga University who teaches a course on this, so if you want to get brushed up on that, go check that out. Uh, but so you, you told me I had to read this book. I, I cannot think of a better time to read this book than during Exodus 90 or Lent uh, in that case, because it really puts everything into perspective. And before we dive into it, and Max is here because Max's life has been influenced by this book as well. So we'll, we'll dive into some of those takeaways. But I want to give you guys an idea of who Walter Schizik is and where this book came from. So Walter Shizek, uh was born in 1904, was, died in 1984, so lived uh, 80 years, but was a Polish-American Jesuit priest uh, who wanted to work in the Soviet Union. So he was born in Pennsylvania. Uh, grew up there, discerned to become a Jesuit, and really felt like his call in life was to minister to the people of Russia. So the revolution had taken place, uh, and he thought, okay, I I feel this call. God is willing me to go to Russia. Uh, and so after he gets ordained, he goes to Poland. Uh, and while in Poland, I believe the Nazis at this point had had invaded and forced everyone out. So everyone's kind of in hiding. And he, in the beginning of the book, basically says, there's an opportunity to go to Russia. Uh, and Kelly and I were talking about this earlier. It's interesting that we have the gift of hindsight, and obviously reading the Gulag Archipelago last year and just knowing what happened, we understand that what happened in Russia is just horrible, people dying all the time, being murdered and whatever else. There's a story about them being on the train from Poland to Russia, and there's this guy who's a communist... And he and his wife and his son, like a nephew or something, were like they thought Russia was the promised land, and they literally were beaming with excitement and cheering when they saw on the train the sign that said "Welcome to Russia" because they thought they just entered paradise. Yeah, there was tears. They were, they were tears of joy as they they crossed that border, which is pretty incredible. And then they quickly find out they're being to forced labor camps, more or less, uh, in. Uh, I don't know specifically the town they went first to, but it's a logging community. So they're going to do hard labor and logging, get paid basically no money. Uh, Walter quickly realizes he's got to go underground. He can't minister in public because if he does, he'll be sent to the camp. So within a year of doing this logging thing and trying to figure out how he's going to minister to people, he is sure enough taken away. Uh, and he's taken to, which is the name of the
3: Lubyanka? Yeah. Correct? Yeah.
1: Yeah. Yep. Lubyanka. Maximum security. So Jesuit priests, priests in general, religious people in general, were targets number one. So he was sent to complete and utter isolation, solitary confinement for five years. Uh, I'll let one of you guys want to talk about the solitary confinement. Well, uh, I think
2: it's kind of ironic. If I remember correctly, Lubyanka used to be a monastery, and, um, so the fact that uh this Jesuit priest was locked in solitary mm-hmm. confinement in a former monastery that you know the the Soviet government had confiscated mm-hmm. you know shouldn't entirely be lost yeah. and and maybe there was enough grace within that place where he sort of kept his sanity and and uh you know could make it through but,
1: but so his his day to day was quite literal silence so the rooms were padded everything inside the rooms was silent the, the guards would wear carpeting on their feet so that you couldn't hear any noise outside of the room. So they literally were trying to make you go mad in this place. And then they would interrogate you and lie to you and, and try to get you to admit something that was that was crazy. So five years of solitary confinement. Then he's sent to hard labor for the next 15 in Siberia. Yeah. Uh, so hard labor every day for 15 years. And then he's sent to another three years in exile. So 23 years total. Uh, and then he's finally able to come back to the United States. That's the context of this book. It's a lot. It's a lot. Yeah, and the crazy... And so this is why this book is so powerful is he goes into very uh, big detail to, to his specific uh, state in life at all these places and then also his spiritual life. Uh, so let's let's kind of start when he's in solitary confinement. It is shocking how he... I mean, most people he seems to think would were going crazy. Uh, and he somehow manages to turn this into a a life of prayer, even though it's madness. Anything you guys got out of his time during solitary confinement? Yeah, that was
3: one of the parts of this book that struck me the most. I remember it was um, summer of 2013. I didn't have a spiritual director available. So I was reading this book, and he was— Father Walter Chiswick, though I've never met the man, was pretty much a spiritual director to me during this time. And I remember reading that part in Lubyanka, thinking— how terrible it would be to speak to no one unless being spoken to by an interrogator com- like confusing you and being unjust to you, claiming you to be a Vatican spy when you're not. Like that's the only social interaction you have just with people lying at you. And what amazed me was that he found in that terrible situation the good in it. He found ways to make a prayer schedule, to make any kind of interaction he had with those guards, something to see God in. And what really struck me was when he was talking about the will of God in that time. And he said, the will of God is nothing more than the present moment offered to us, seen as given by the hands of a loving father, the fact that he could see that hell on earth as a gift from his heavenly father made it the will of God. And that, that's grace working. That's man working with grace. And so to see that really encouraged me to see anything, even though I still fail to do this, anything that goes wrong as something from the hands of the father to only make us better, make us stronger, to make us saints. It
1: is wild how insignificant I feel after reading this book. Right. right. I mean, I feel like such a loser. <laughs> yeah. I, I mean, there's no other way to put it. Like any amount of suffering that I've incurred willingly or unwillingly in my life pales in the comparison to a day that right. he went through, let alone 20 years.
2: Yeah. Well, well what I was going to say was, uh, you know, there's that point too where he's being interrogated and, and, he, he thought that he could sort of outwit potentially, you know, the yeah. interrogator and how, how he in some ways relied on himself. You know, it was like, you know, he wasn't, he, he wasn't listening to God or relying on God's grace, you know, or, or he expected God's grace to look differently, you know, mm-hmm. than what it really was, you know. And so um, when he finally came to that realization, you know, for me, it's like, I mean, I don't know that I ever you know, I, I, I mean, if I honestly, ask, you know, look at myself, you know, do I really, do I really, you know, accept God's will or grace or anything, right. you know, like I, pr- I rely on myself way too much.
1: You know? Yeah. Well, so, and this is where to me, so that was hard enough. I'm like, oh man, just get him out of this thing. Get him <laughs> out of He needs to get out of solitary confinement. This is horrible. It's killing him. It's killing him. And he admits as much. He's like, I was in a terrible place. It was horrible. I just wanted, he was. I just wanted to talk to somebody. Like yeah. I didn't care if I was going to be like whipped with cords as long as you have a conversation with somebody about it. Obviously you couldn't do that because you couldn't talk with nobody else except for the the people interrogating you for like the hour a day he was being interrogated. All right. So then we fast forward. So five years of this and they finally ship him off to hard labor, which apparently for him, he thought was going to be a great, I don't know if he thought it would be a grace, (laughs) but like the worst hard labor camp in all of the Russian gulags is where he's sent to for a, a sentence of 15 years. Um, and, Kelly, we were talking about this earlier today, but, like, this is a guy who hasn't been able to do any physical activity for right. five years straight. The first day they arrive in Siberia, they hand him a shovel, and they're basically having him shovel coal for 12 hours a day. Mm-hmm. So the first day, he goes, first day, I made it all right. Second day, you can imagine how sore and weak you are. Mm-hmm. And the bell rang at 5 in the morning. Yeah.
2: Yeah. And, and yeah, he, you know, he, the first day, he's got to shovel coal basically so that he doesn't drown in coal because the conveyor... Mm-hmm. You know, it was just shipping coal, and he just mm-hmm. had to get out of the way. Mm-hmm. And yeah, and then he, he had to do it again the second day. And he hadn't moved in roughly
1: five years. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And he knew that if he didn't do it, he would just be dead. And so yeah. he just did it. And he goes, this is basically the way his life went for the next 15 years. Yeah. Every day. And in the midst of that, he talks about what a gift the body is given by God.
3: And That's a classic Father Walter Chiswick move. Being so sore, so tired, his body's not doing what he wants it to do, to keep going, but then he's able to reflect and say, wow, because I am suffering this, I can now see
1: how much of a gift this is. So there are so many great quotes. I'll, I'll say a few of them here, but here's one of them. I, so all these people, so his ministry, he realized eventually, he eventually became been able to do mass uh, in private. So it was re- we'll get into that in a little bit. Um, he could do mass in private. Um, but it was his joy, his, his ability to have joy in the midst of all the suffering around him. The people saw, that's attractive. I want that. He said, people ask him, why are you Why are you trying so hard? Why are you working so hard for these communists? Because most of people were like throwing the coal to the side. They didn't care. They did a bad job. He goes, I didn't build a new city in Siberia because of Joseph Stalin or because of Khrushchev wanted it. I did it because God wanted it. The labor I did was not a punishment, but a way of working out my salvation in fear and trembling. Work was not a curse even the brutish grunt work I was doing, but a way to God, and perhaps even a way to help others to God. I could not, therefore, look upon this work as degrading. It was ennobling, for it came to me at the hand of God himself, and it was his will for me. It's It's unbelievable. It's unbelievable. And especially, oh, and even as, as listeners, as you're hearing these quotes, you say, that's really impressive. When you're in this story, and you, like... You, as the reader, are so emotionally mad at the injustice that he has for him, and for him to say these words is just it puts again everything that we're doing in America. like I, if he can have this mentality of optimism and seeing God's will in literally the worst situation of all time, what are, I mean, what are we doing? right? Oh, I had to give up I couldn't eat between meals on our Friday. My stomach was really growly, like, right. It's pathetic. Yeah, my cold shower was terrible this morning. Exactly, but... <laughs> yeah. Like, a cold shower is nothing at all compared to this. It's, it's just... And as soon as I get out of my cold shower, guess what? My house is kept at you know, 70 degrees. It's warm. I can yeah, yeah, jump yeah. right out. It's like... I have a towel. <laughs> exactly. I'm going to warm up quickly. I'll be enclosed, and I'll be at my office. Like, it's yeah. a joke. Uh, so a book like this really puts into perspective human struggling. And again, during Lent, I can't encourage you enough to to read a book like this. So... Let's talk about the Eucharist, because I know this is a big one that you had. Uh, you had been preaching to our group for a long time prior to me reading this book. What was your big takeaway on the Eucharist?
2: Well, one, one thing that I that I thought was amazing was how— so he was in the 40s and 50s, and so this was pre-Vatican II. And um, a lot of the Catholics, then you know, they would fast, and really fast before they went to Mass and took the Eucharist. So in the Gulag— um, they would fast. And so you're already hungry. You have meager, meager meals. You know, you maybe have a crust of bread for breakfast. Um, how devout and faithful the Catholics there were, they would fast until they could celebrate mass. And that potentially was after a 12, 13, 14 hour work day. And mm-hmm. they would go that long so that they could, that's how important and how, how much it meant to them to yeah. be able to
1: celebrate. So I, that was one of my big takeaways. And they they also weren't. Fa- I mean, it's not like they have like a big dinner to then right. celebrate with. Yeah, they basically had no food all day long, and they didn't get they got much gruel after that. But that's the level that they kept. It, I mean, it's it's really again puts in perspective our ability here to live in Des Moines, Iowa. We go to daily mass every day if we wanted to, um, and the sacrifice that these people these people went through. He also has a great chapter on the priesthood. I don't know if Mm -hmm. you guys want to jump into this one. I don't know if you had takeaways from the priesthood one, but just talk about the difference that this one man can make. I had the interview with Kevin Wells last week um, about the priest, we need to save the church. This is a great example of that. This one man, just through his example, could lift all these people, lift the spirits of all these people in the, the darkest of times. And it really got you on fire for what a good holy priest can do. Uh, quite frankly. And that, that was probably those chapters, one of the Eucharist and one of the priests were probably my favorite chapters of the whole book. Um, anything to add to Yeah, I just, I like it when he said, when
3: the Catholics there found out that he was a priest, that it gave them so much joy that he could see, and he was able to reciprocate that. So it it's something for them and for him that his identity as a priest comes out and is able to yet yeah, give the Eucharist, and these people are so joyful to have a priest around that they gave up their bread, they gave up their only meal to have Mass. Uh, yet yeah, to bring so much joy with that sacramentality of the priesthood, just being the Lord's presence there.
1: So the big, the biggest takeaway of the book, the theme of the book, obviously with a title called "He Leadeth Me," is about discerning God's will in your life and feeling God's will in your life, and. Through the worst times ever. He continues to feel this is God's will. This is God's will. There's a part after he gets out of the he gets now he's in exile, right? So he gets sent out of the he's fifteen years and he he makes this like you almost don't think it's gonna happen. You're waiting for the Russians, the communists to say, kidding, another fifteen years. He goes, But sure enough, you walk out and you're actually you're not free. It's kinda like in lay Miz, like you've got your you've got a number on him, he can't actually yeah, do yeah. what he what he wants to do, so he's in exile there. But so he can't even perform really his priestly duties. They don't want him doing that. But he finally gets into a parish, quote-unquote, and he said he celebrates the Easter sacraments. And it's from Holy Thursday to to Easter Sunday. He didn't sleep. He just performed blessings and baptisms and the sacraments. He finally had gotten, after 22 years at this point, what he thought he was called to do. And it was the greatest joy he's ever had in his entire life. He's he's shipped out. The Russian government comes in and says you can't do this anymore. Yeah, the KGB KGB comes in, and he says, "Well, it's just God's will." So he find I mean, for him to say, you know, again, I would say it, it's God's will. It's, God must be willing. And sure enough, he shows up at the police station and over here, someone say they lost their Catholic priest, and he sneaks into that one. And he starts over and then ministers to them. It it's every page of this book has something for us to take away in. In the discernment of God's will in our life, and again, Max, I know you told me on the show. You, I'm like, oh, that reminds me. He leadeth me. Like, I've used that book for discerning God's will
0: mm-hmm.
1: in my life, and I think all of us. That would mm-hmm. be my kind of call to action here. Is this this is a gem? But he's up. He's a servant of God right now. So people are, are taking his, his case of canonization. Um, but I, I've I've rarely been so moved from a book. Any final parting thoughts uh, that you guys recommend to our listeners is something that is a big takeaway or something that you guys glean from this book that you say this is something that I really think people need to know about Walter Shizek or this book?
3: Yeah. Um, just again, he makes it very clear God's will is in the present. It's not something that we need to figure out in our minds and then make a move to get on that track, right? He, very, he makes it very clear just to see the present as a gift from the loving hands of the Father. And so for those worried about, oh, am I doing God's will? Am I not? Start praying in the moment. Then you're doing God's will. Mm
2: -hmm. Yeah. um, And and I I also think, you know, receiving everything with joy and having that joyful attitude of, you know, sure, things might be annoying. Things might be tough. But if if we do really believe that it is God's will, we should accept that joyfully because...
1: That's what we should do, I guess. Right. I'll, I'll end with this quote. It says, "Men died in those camps, especially those who gave up hope. But I trusted in God, never felt abandoned or without hope, and survived along with many others. He constantly trusted in God, and the people who died were the ones who didn't. And he mentioned that throughout the book that I I could have easily given up, but I knew that there's a higher purpose, a higher calling." This Lent, if you're not doing enough already, pick up the book, He Leadeth Me. Uh, Gentlemen, thanks again for joining me today.
3: Thanks, Jess. been great. Thanks, Kelly. Yeah,
1: thanks. We're going to head to a short break. Uh, When we return, we will wrap up the conversation on He Leadeth Me. Stick around. We'll be right back.
3: Why do folks give to the Catholic tuition organization? Probably because they love Catholic schools, right? Partially, but they also like the tax benefits, or they were helped when their kids were in school, or they have been blessed and want to bless others. Whatever the reason, the 65% tax credits are great, And after all, it's for the kids and their future. Online, (laughs) ctoiowa.org.
0: My comes you. You're right
1: you carry my welcome back to man up on iowa catholic radio my thanks again to max and kelly for joining me uh, for that interview uh not every day where i just force you to read a book i i can't actually force you but if i were if i was able to i'd do this one i'd force you to read this one uh the google archipelago i can't force you to read either It's a lot longer and harder to chew on, but he leadeth me is a much easier uh, way to to get into the mind of someone who's going through this. One more quote I have to, to share with you, talking about the redemptive suffering. None of this came easily, for I was not a disembodied spirit. Hunger could distract me. The interrogators could confuse me. A body aching in every joint and worn down by a long, arctic day of grueling work could leave me totally exhausted. And very much discouraged. This is the part I think is really good. It is much easier to see the redemptive role of pain and suffering in God's plan if you are not actually undergoing pain and suffering. It was only by struggling with such feelings, however, that growth occurred. This is a guy who went through every pain and suffering you could possibly imagine. Uh, And again, I I sit here in Iowa and I take a cold shower. I'm like, woe is me, or I have a bad day at work. Woe is me. How much more did he actually experience uh, and to see that work of redemptive suffering? So this Lent, as we're all uh, being penitential and trying to grow closer to the Lord through our fasting, uh, our prayer, and our almsgiving, keep someone like Walter Shizek in mind to understand that uh, there is growth in suffering and that most likely the suffering that we are undergoing, at least I know me personally, is nothing like what he did, but he still found God's will through it. Thanks again for joining me on Man Up on Iowa Catholic Radio. I am Joe Stopulis.
0: It's time to man up. Man Up, inspiring men to live out their call to holiness with Joe Stoppules. Heard Mondays at 9 a.m. and 9 p.m. on Iowa Catholic Radio. Brought to you by Construction Professionals.